On this episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ad Podcast, we have an awesome guest, Nick Shackelford, who's responsible for a shoot, spending roughly $55 million right now, who may break $100 million during Q4 in ads. We dive into some awesome kind of main areas of focus on the growth side of things with specific clients on their side. We dive into their framework and templates of building awesome creative that converts, and kind of how to be more efficient on the capital side of things while controlling you know, payments for their clients that are some big seven figures. But make sure to tune into this one. There's going to be a ton. You don't want to miss out. Buckle up. Get ready. The juicy one. Yeah, I wish we were able to do a little bit of screen share. I'd, I'd have it up right now. So I'm an account overview across the 125 accounts we've had to date. And from January to September 17th, I would say we're about seven months-ish, eight months in, nine months in. listening to the Rich Ad Poor Ad podcast, where we break down the financial principles that rich advertisers are deploying today to turn advertising into profit and get tons of traffic to their websites without killing their cash. These advertisers, agencies, affiliates, brands are responsible for managing over a billion dollars a year in ad spend. You'll hear about what's working for them today, their rich ads, and we'll roast their epic failures and crappy ads on the internet with poor ads. Let's get into it. Welcome back to another episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ed Podcast. This is your host, Zach Johnson. I'm with the one and only DC, Dylan Carpenter. How you doing today, Dylan? Good, man. And y'all better buckle up because we got a super badass guest today and shit, it's going to be juicy. You're like all giddy. You know, you're um, a little schoolgirl about today's guest. I'm kind of excited about it. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. You you've been chatting about this guest for for like a month now. You're like, hey, when you when do you think we can get him on? i love it all right so gosh man today's guest is he's uh he's not the co-founder of one or two but three companies runs uh structured agency which is a performance uh media agency i don't even know how much this guy manages ads but it's got to be upwards of eight figures so we're going to dive into it he's also the co-founder of geek out education i'd say this is probably like the highest level mastermind and a group of media buyers that you can hang out with. And they really are bridging the gap in, in community from like just black hat affiliates <laughs> that are really jumping over into like full-blown e-com, you know, working and, and, and really, uh, really diving into win-win relationships with, with clients. So it's a really interesting niche that they put together there on, on geek out. And now most recently the co-founder with constant creative double K's, which is fancy, fan, some fancy footwork there on the on the on the branding side. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna get into it, man. Sh- sh- should we bring him on the show, Dylan? What do you think? Should the hype's just... been real. Let's go ahead and get this guy on here. All right, man. Nick, Nick Shackford, how you doing, man? I'm very, very well. This I was wondering how this introduction was gonna go, but I am very, very thankful to be honest. I know we've all been in the same circles for for quite a while, and it just took us a matter of time to get together. COVID's been good bad stressful not stressful for a lot of people and i'm finally able to to make the time to find the right people to connect with and so i'm very very thankful to be here today and you did kind of give a great intro there's a lot of things going on but at its core i think the easiest takeaway to say is paid media growth like we are in this bad boy and and i I hate to to characterize myself as just a media buyer because that's it's always much more than that as us as business owners yeah. But that's where I'm most happy. Like if I'm in an ad account, and I have no calls that day. Like I'm absolutely, for lack of a better term, I'm geeking. Like I'm absolutely <laughs> geeking out to, to be in there. 
So, uh, dude, give us give us some give us some stats on uh, on the agency side, structured agency. You know, like how much media do you guys touch a year, a month right now that that uh, you're either managing or influencing in some shape, form, or another capacity for your clients? Yeah, I wish we were able to do a little bit of screen share. I'd, I'd have it up right now. So I'm an account overview across the 125 accounts we've had to date, and from January to September 17th, I would say we're about seven months ish, eight months in, nine months in. Uh, we've just spent over 52 million. So oh. we will we will be close to that eight figure this year, and that's probably the biggest record that I know a team that I've been a part of. Um, we've yeah. been a part of obviously early, early on timber to agency why we had some, some massive spenders and obviously a common thread as they were growing that spend was up there. But what we chose at structure purely, like obviously we'd run a little bit of email, a little bit of social. We just handle Facebook. Some people are dabbling on snap, but man, we we're putting that work in there. And I think if mm. Q4 is what everyone's going to do, I don't mm-hmm. see why this shouldn't be a hundred, hundred million spend. Woo. That's and awesome, I will man. send you the screen, Dylan. I will send you the screenshot, so you don't, you, you will not doubt me on this. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> nice work, up. So, <laughs> yeah. So, do you work with like what's the sweet spot in terms of how many clients you guys work with at any given time right now? This is this is a fantastic question. I know that a lot of your audience is actually either agency owners or media buyers in themselves, and it's funny because yeah. I I asked Dylan before he was like, "Yeah, we can." Me by myself, I can handle between probably ten to twenty, depending on the the client and. We started to make our own internal matrix of what a client looks like. Early early on, I used to explain a, a perfect brand, and I'll say brand versus client, just so um, we're, we're clear on who we actually yeah. service. We only do yeah. e-commerce. I wouldn't say just physical products, but that's kind of like our, our, our sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Um, a brand that we choose to work with is three parts. First part is, has the founder done this before or understands the value of paid media? Is the product... Is there clear USPs that can be said about that product versus it just being a bottle? What's that? What's those USPs? What can we create angles around? If you're mm-hmm. just winning on price point, it's really difficult for me to be motivated or my guys to be motivated. And deal structures have to be mutually incentivized. So first, do they get it? Do they understand paid media that's on the founder level or the team level? Is the product unique enough for us to kind of support and partner with? And is the deal structure mutually incentivized? And a lot of our questions is like, well, what is a mutually incentivized deal structure? Usually low minimum and then upside on increase in spend and increase in profitability. That's as a channel owner, right? Like we're not across Google. We're not across your other platforms. That's all you can really ask for. And trust me, these last couple of months have been very interesting to explain to clients. Like, yes, it's not your performance dropping. It's actually a, dr- a, tra- a drop in tracking. That's been on our shoulders to try to figure that out for them. Yeah. So walk us through like a typical setup, right? Like talk to me about a, a percentage of spend and then percentage of profitability. That's a tough one, right? Cause like yeah. you, you don't have those numbers. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 you're absolutely correct. So a, a very good situation for us would be a minimum ad spend of about a uh, minimum ad spend of about 50,000 to 75,000, which means we're taking our 10% on that initial port anywhere between you're looking to at least pay us between five to 7,500 on just the paid media side that will kind of taper off. If you're going to go, Hey, Shaq, we want to do uh, some content with you. We also want to do email and SMS. Then we'll kind of work with you there. But the main takeaway is minimum is between five to 75. That'll drop away depending on how spend increases. And we're always, always down to negotiate a percentage of like, if we're spending above 75 K and the ROAS is 
whatever we deemed profitable or not profitable based on the margins, whatever the brand will provide us, that that number of, of ROAS on account will be in consideration to what your Shopify net or whatever your net is site-wide. Mm. So for brands that we work with, a very, very brand I'm, I'm very proud of is Oluka Downey out of the out of the East Coast, out of Rhode Island. They sell jewelry. Um, we have a success metric tied to platform. We also have a success metric tied to 3.5 return site-wide to my overall spend. And why I believe that's important is because for a lot of these brands, majority of that traffic or majority of the audience is being built for email, for Google, for Amazon is coming from their paid traffic, whether that's Facebook or Snap or whatever right. their dominant sources. So we we do need to hold ourselves to a platform. But if we pull back to say hit rows targets, what are we doing to the rest of the business? So we do need to mm-hmm. see both of those numbers. And I would love you guys' opinion if you guys believe that, hey, I've ever heard of that or hey, that actually makes a lot of sense. What do you guys think? Well, I think profitability is really tough, right? Because you don't have access to those numbers and you're pretty much relying on a trust relationship with the client. I mean, yes, you, you probably get access to their Shopify confirm revenue numbers. Um, and maybe it's, maybe it's like a net revenue of just, you know, spend less, you know, what's, yeah. what's in their, their Shopify. But, uh, that's, you know, that's a big part of where I think agencies need, need to go. And I think you're leading the charge there, Nick. So congrats is, like if you looked at media buying five years ago, it was totally enough for somebody in the media buying shop to be like, yeah, I just drive clicks. Like I don't worry about <laughs> AOV or, or optimization of the funnel. Now, like that expectation is there. You got to be able to deliver value on both fronts. I think the net, the third lever, you know, is really thinking about profitability. And then in order to do that, you have to have financial conversations with the clients, right? You've yes. got to be breaking down, Cogs, you got to be breaking down refund rates. And so I think that having those conversations on profitability is another thing, but that all exists in the ecosystem of like something that I think you actually should be qualifying your clients for is like, how are you going to fund growth? Right. Because like you guys know you can deliver in terms of, you know, if you're properly vetting these clients, you guys know what products will scale, what won't. And the last thing that you guys want is like, yeah, we just crushed it, but you know, they don't have VC funding, they're not willing to leverage debt, or they can't leverage debt because they don't have the margins. And so I think the agencies of the future are going to have their hands just as much wrapped around the finances and the profitability and how they fund the business than they do right now with just the funnel and the conversions and the the media, right? It's not going to be enough to just be like, oh, they canceled because they ran out of money, like, <laughs> and just point the finger, right? So yeah, uh, that's no that's how I that's how I look at it. No, you you can't do that because there's there's days, and we've been in this game for long enough, uh, which is why we kind of built constant creative, which is why we're focusing a lot on the creative, and and that's kind of obviously why we're here to talk poor ad, rich ad. But mm-hmm. this 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 industry, like, if you aren't having the conversations, and even though you're quote unquote finding success a brand's going to tell you, Hey, like, we just can't do it. Like you might be profitable over here, but if you're not profitable across the board, mm-hmm. then that's, that doesn't matter whether we're winning or not, they're going to fire us anyways. Cause they just can't pay us. or can't fulfill mm-hmm. that check. Yeah. And I, I think the, the, the tall tale sign of this is like when you're bugging your client to spend more on ads every single week and they're just telling you no, but all the KPIs are like 
amazing to you, <laughs> you know, that's time for you not to just like keep nagging. That's time for you to dive deeper with the client of like, all right, we need to have a conversation. Let's open up the books of like, this, you know, outside looking in, like this is a great campaign. Like what's really going on in the business. And those yeah. are the, those are going to be the people that keep clients for, you know, years and become true marketing partners and get earnouts and get upside and, and, and their rev shares, you know, don't stop when they become like super big numbers. That's true. Uh, so yeah, anyways, I digress. But <laughs> Nick, let's dive into this rich ad, man. Absolutely. So the, the easiest way for me to communicate this is this is a brand that we've, I've been fortunate, very, very fortunate enough to be with them since for about two and a half years. And this is Diff Eyewear. It sells a commodity. It is glasses. And this is a product that it's easy to communicate. You, you know what is happening. You know what is going on. And right now, is it easiest if I just like literally play the video on my screen and talk through it? Oops. Yeah. We're going to make it rain, man. <laughs> and D, if you, you have this link, it is in there. It's, uh, and I'll exactly uh, tell you exactly what creative it is. So what, what we're witnessing here, and we, we've been doing a, a very We've been spending a lot of our time developing the templates so that when we have our designers, because Constant Creative came out of our our actual designers for the agency, we on average float between 15 to 25 brands, depending on the season, depending on the products. Coming into Q4, we're only bringing in uh, or only operating with 22 brands. And that's because of bandwidth and we're choosing to not kind of grow, which say what you will, maybe we can't hire as quick. It is what it is. <clears throat> a lot of the time being spent now is understanding which creative needs to be made and what do we need for these upcoming campaigns. So our designers are going, Hey, we're working with the same brands. We want to kind of like, what else can we do? Can we get more, more, excuse me, more styles to practice on. So we opened up our own kind of feed, like the term is dog food. We're feeding ourselves what we're currently mm -hmm. doing and we're allowing constant creative to fund the development and the building of our content department because we know as an agency if you look at it as like separate pnls email brings in its own revenue social brings in its own revenue content has to support across the board and it's also another way to build the stickiness across each of our uh, each of our brands hard stop hmm. so through constant creative we've been building our own self-service platform that allows brands to go hey we need this type of creative made for us the thing that we've learned over doing this for the last five months the articulation of a traditional e-commerce brand that's doing under a million under 50 million i think those are the two bricks we either have the early early people or the people that just want to have help on the ad creative side they can't mm -hmm. articulate exactly what it is that they want that has been the biggest feedback of that everyone's going like i want this type of ad and they show examples that's the easiest way to bring to us well if you look at majority of the ads that are working there's a kind of a template. Okay, this happens. Here's your hook. After the hook, here's the solution. That solution cuts into a potential UGC or social proof tracking, back into product development, potentially an unboxing, but it's literally pieces you plug in. So this creative, why it was so successful is because it's under 15 seconds. So we are going to get full deliverability on feed, whatever platform you choose from. The initial, and I'm going to play it right now so the sound might go off and I'll let this play all the way through. I lied. I'm cutting it in the first five seconds. You see the 
We'll edit that in post. We didn't hear it, but we'll, okay. we'll edit it in post. It'll be great. And then, it, you know, for everybody, uh, everybody listening, you can also, we'll, we'll link these up as well on the uh, richadporad.com slash podcast for uh, next episode. Appreciate you guys. Thank you very much. Probably should have articulated that beforehand. First, <laughs> first five seconds, we were already showing the product, name of the product, and her exclamation of how much that she really, really likes is, oh my God, this is unbelievable. So it's already hitting you with the statement that you're kind of curious, like, why is she doing this? What is she talking about? It looks like it's just glasses. It's always well lit, UGC style face-to-face, and it can kind of continues on with simple graphics to kind of keep people kind of pulled into it. This ad has been running this exact style with rotating in different frames for the last six and a half months. So I call this a rich ad for two reasons. One, it's profitable above their ad spend. Total ad spend on this one specific ad is $20,475. And the return is $72,427. So to me, huge W. Plus, it's a simple template that we can kind of reproduce over and over. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And it's been running for six and a half months. That's always really nice. (laughs) Usually like the issue that we're starting to find is how do you, how do you repurpose this? How do you get this to do something else other than die out? Because it's it's a huge thing. I know one of our great friends, Zach Stuck always talks about our best performing ads dying out. What do you do? How do you address it? Well, you probably relaunch it and go through audiences or start changing out the the transition, start changing out the borders. Some things that we are trying to test and flirt with is pulsing borders or making the image smaller so that it looks different on the feed. I don't have data back for that yet, but I really, really do hope if anybody is listening and running tests, definitely hit me up and tell them, hey, smaller images work better with large borders, pulsing borders, something I'm really curious about. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, we, um, I love, I, I love that. I, like you're giving me all kinds of ideas right now, Nick, on how we could do a better job. Like we're sitting on a billion in ad spend across 50,000 accounts. And like, there's so much more we could be doing in terms of back testing, like the, these, uh, the, the creatives <laughs> across all these, uh, yeah. across all these accounts. Um, well, th- you know, thanks for that. <laughs> so well, it, honestly, this is what this is kind of unfortunate or unfortunate, depending on who's in charge of the project. Um, yeah, right. You, if you have a unified naming structure across the entire agency, and it's been something that I've been trying to get the team on board, not, not just UTMs, but I'm talking straight from campaign all the way down to ad level. And that unified UTM will be, or sorry, that unified naming convention is going to start populating just trends of like what's working across the board. Facebook has done a beautiful job by creating ads reporting to, to be able to pull in. Like it took me two minutes to let you know, like, oh, cool. We're on pace to just spend 52 million across the beginning of the year. Now you can still pull that in at, at potentially the ad level if the naming conventions are right. That's a couple pivots away from finding out feed four by five, 15 second UGC first. If we get all of our templates in line, mm-hmm. uh, but man, this has been uh, about a year, a year and a half of building. So I don't believe we're close to <laughs> I it. I could just get our UTM naming conventions. Oh, oh gosh, man. If I had a nickel for every time I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> we're close. We're close. If, if the team could, if the team buckles down and, and I know Q4, everyone's going to be launching. There's going to be tons of dash copy, copy one, two, threes. My OCD is going to go off the charts. You know what we, this, this is going to be a fun tangent. One of the things that we built in like funnel dash beta days when we were building out an analytics tool, nobody would ever do this, right? Cause we were like, Hey, you got to use these UTMs to track your, your stuff. What we did is we just had our clients connect uh, their Facebook ad accounts. And through the API, we just had this like rotator 
that would just go in and just fix everybody's links like every hour and it would just adjust uh um the UTMs and it was so nuanced. Like I appreciate it. Nick, you would appreciate it now, but like that feature doesn't like exist anymore. Um, <laughs> oh, I wish I love that. Oh uh, yeah. You would, you would appreciate it. You'd buy it. And then you'd be my like only customer. Um, <laughs> this episode is brought to you by funnel Ashes ad card, the only charge card exclusively for your digital ad spend. And if you're an ad agency that manages seven or even eight figures a year in media and ad spend for your clients, and you're looking to double your profits over the next six to 12 months, then check out AdCard. See, the typical agency model is this. You charge 10% of your spend, and you make 10 to 20% margin at the end of the day. So that's really one to 2% of your client's spend that is profit in your business. The easiest way to double that is to really find a way to earn in that one to 2% cash back of the card that is on file of your client's ad account. And before ad card, what you had to do was invoice all your clients for their ad spend up front, which is really difficult on a cash flow basis and very difficult ask. And then you had to put the card on your own Amex or whatever card of choice to get that level of value back into your business. With AdCard, it's entirely different and streamlined. You simply get your clients on AdCard and make yourself the agency of record and you'll get the cash back as long as you're managing the ad spend. It's a great way to double your profit without doing any additional work. Check it out at FunnelDash.com. I love it. All right, so let's let's talk about this poor ad. Tell us what's not working. Tell, tell us about an epic fail, man. Yeah, I, I, would, I, I don't know if it's the brand or if I don't know if it's the product, but we, we primarily sell to females across the board but we look at our portfolio of brands we do have some male focused products but majority of the female buying products and this ad it's from aceology beauty based out of australia they are launching in the u.s and i believe looking at it visually which obviously i'll send it over to you d it looks like it should work it has the social proof it has the branding it has a use of product and it is bleeding cash. I'm saying like, this is just on one ad on one ad set. We spent over $5,000 and it currently sitting at a 0.72. Now, technically we should turn this off. And why the justification is for this specific brand is like, it's the highest CTR on the count and it's technically the lowest CPM. It doesn't say shit. We never make decisions off of that. But this ad, for whatever reason, I don't want to give up on it. It got a 7% click to purchase ratio. AOE is 113 bucks. So I'm like, guys, we got to keep this running, but it's not proving profitability on Facebook. And if I were to let this run, I'll, I'll run through it again. It's split screen with UGC testimonial at the bottom, sped up for her to actually try it on. So it is, it is very engaging because she's moving so quick, but man, it's not doing the job. <laughs> but you're but it's still running is that what you're saying yeah because it's driving the <laughs> out of all the brands so the, the easiest i posted this earlier this week the way that we look at a lot of our products now is or a lot of our ad sets specifically is mm -hmm. okay what's the click to purchase ratio what pages are we running to what's the aov and what um what's the cost of like the carts we're getting because we know we're going to kind of build that bottom we always work off a lot of our down funnel correlations that's kind of how we like to buy media as human plus um, scientific as possible it's not it's not a perfect science but we believe yeah. that it could potentially be um this ad tends to this ad style tends to do well but for whatever reason all the other metrics look good except the fact that it is not profitable 
man yeah it's funny because i think you mentioned that kind of correlation excel sheet you were i think you mentioned that a while ago and I, ch- I love those numbers from add to cart ratios to checkouts and whatnot. And man, I'm still using those for my bigger accounts. I love that stuff. You have to. I mean, there's there's some brands, for instance, we were selling um, neon signs. So we have an unbelievable neon sign brand that we've been working with and AOV 600 bucks. Oof. What do you, you have to wait at least for 200, 300. All you've been doing is thinking, well, I know this is potentially going to go wide. So I, I was very fortunate enough to um, work with a good team and we're promoting the, the Nikola truck, right? That is. Nice. by far the largest brand that i've personally been able to go against in the most recent time outside of obviously the apples and um uh, nugs and and june shine and a couple of these other like on the email side but nicola has mm-hmm. been i'm i'm very for this industry and very I'm, I'm a tesla current driver but i cannot wait for that truck that hydrogen truck that they're making and conversions are a thousand to five thousand dollar reservations right mm-hmm. so my 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 cpa target was 325 we're thankfully mm-hmm. operating between about 175 and 250. But man, you got to spend a couple thousand bucks to figure out if that ad's going to yeah. actually be work. We were uh, we were doing an episode. This is the last week about something a little bit more tangible. You know, somebody selling high ticket stuff or professional services. You know, in that two to twenty thousand dollar. It's the efficiency of capital, right? Mm-hmm. Is just like you know, you got to spend a thousand dollars to know if you're. <laughs> It's like if you're on target, uh, yeah. yeah. Versus like you know, fifty to hundred dollar AOV, you get to you get to spend fifty to hundred bucks, right? And you know, my most of my career has been B two B SaaS, right? And so I did not like understand this for for a long ass time in terms of I just focused on CPA and ROI. But when you start to really think about you know how efficient is that level of spend, what is the result of that efficiency? Well, you can accelerate and learn so much faster, right? I think a lot of why, you know, DDC does so well is because it's so capital efficient at this $50 to $100 price point that you know every single week, like you can throw something out and test. In B2B, like if you're doing, if you're doing like a trial, you're doing subscriptions, you're doing anything high ticket, it you, those optimization cycles are monthly at best, they're probably more like quarterly. Mm. And so you're really, uh, that capital efficiency ultimately is like how many times you get to cycle through, learn and test. And so that's why we, you know, shifted our whole customer acquisition on the B2B side to books, right? Like we're like, uh, you know, like a, a 30, $50 book is, it's not e-com, but we can learn just as fast on lead generation um, get somebody to buy a book, either it's the agency growth book or rich ad, poor ad book. And we mm. know, um, you know, within that week that we're, you know, being capital efficient, we're hitting some, some leading metrics, uh, to really make the thing work and, and, and scale. So I'm like a hundred percent with you there, <laughs> but like we, selling a semi truck, it's like next dude, level, right? Do we are, we we're building our best. So we've been working with a, a data scientist. Again, we're trying our best to be as, how would you say this like systematic to the point where everybody everybody involved whether it's the media buyer or the, the the brand you have to answer three questions at all times like i firmly firmly believe in this over the years i've been in it you have three questions that if they call you and you wake up and you can answer these three they're gonna be like appreciate you uh it's what has <laughs> happened what is happening and what are you going to do anytime those are the three questions what has happened 
what is happening mm. and what are, mm. you, what are you about to do? You can break that down any way you want, but that's layman's terms too. I know it has happened because I understand what's happening. I'm doing this currently. And by me doing this currently, I expect this outcome. That way they feel confident like, okay, you, you, you got this, continue to do what you need to do. And what's the hardest thing in the agency world? The fact that it's human capital. Like you can only take so many brands unless you want to grow. That's why you have the Hawks, you have the Mute Sixes, you have the Common Threads that are 60, 70, 80 people, uh, even uh, even from uh, W Promote, 100 plus people on social side. We're going that that model of building out one-to-one or one-to-five, one-to-eight is stressful, especially when they need to be putting most of their creative brain to choosing the content that they need to do. Well, mm-hmm. man, if you can build this a simplified correlation of when we're making decisions and how we're making decisions, you still need the human element to because there's nuances of CPCs and nuances of page you're running to. Everybody's on the same page. I get why you're doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I could ran for that forever. I'm sorry. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Calm down, Nick. Calm down. <laughs> Nick is not passionate about this at all. At all. This oh, man, is this the is part. Thing. <laughs> all right, man. So let's dive into this next segment. Let's talk about some financial principles for the people that are in advertising, media buying, you know, and, and uh, what are, what are some of the things that either you're working on yourself in terms of how you are structuring your relationship with your clients? How are you having, you know, these financial conversations and to what extent with your clients? Uh, but what, what advice can you, can you give uh, on that front? So this is very top of mind. So this, and this wasn't planned before. So any of the listeners, like, I didn't know these were the three main questions coming. I knew the rich had poor, but this last one is something that I, I've been thinking about internally with our partners, because we obviously, we do the traditional model of percentage of spend or minimum, right? We right. do a lot of the invoicing about seven to 14 days. So we let delayed attribution kind of catch up because a lot of our, our success is based upon the metrics that we hit at certain spend levels. So we spend X, it falls between uh, this success metric or the next success metric. That's what we're able to build upon. That was agreed upon a contract. Prior, if a brand isn't savvy to what they're, they're agreeing to what they're spending on, they're going to get this bill, 20, 30, $40,000. They're going to be like, holy shit, I'm not paying this. So we're right. currently in talks with other partners. Even we've been trying to do this ourselves. We haven't found a perfect solution outside of using um, just a Google dashboard and adding in a percentage and then doing our own custom, custom correlations, custom metrics there. I don't think it's perfect. It will improve. Um, but we're, want, we're wanting brands to A, at the beginning of each month, talking through, and this has been something we've been doing forever, but now it's more of a transparent, updated, rather than being manually and the team doing it on a Wednesday or Friday. It's... Every dollar we're spending, there's obviously a percentage that we are we're making on that. Mm-hmm. Depending on the success metric of that day, and it's not really on a daily level, you can't do it as much because there's so much nuance and change. Every two weeks to, uh, and then obviously again, finally on the month, we're building the dashboard that will highlight as you're spending, here's what you expect to spend and your, your bill is for Facebook. And then that margin above it is the percentage that we're taking on the ad spend at the success metric. So now that they're able to log in, see, okay, this is what I'm spending and I'm pacing at. This is what my true ROI is because this is what the agency fee is on top of it. And I can expect my bill at the end of the month to be somewhere around this area. And that way, they have no excuse other than like, oh, I haven't checked my, my, my dashboard. I haven't checked the updates in so, so long. And now then when they get that check, they can either be like, hey, let's payment plan it because obviously we're in a time of COVID. And yes, there are some brands that are doing fantastic. There are some brands that are like, I would love to 
break up these payments? What are these terms? Can I go to 30 days? Um, and at the end of the day, it's our job as partners to, to make sure that they have the cash flow to spend. So that we're usually the most expensive bill for them um, at anybody that p- produces any, any high spend. And so that conversation is, is a very intimate one, as you guys know. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude, it's the rule of large numbers, man. You got to be really careful. <laughs> because uh you know there's a couple challenges i see with with folks in the space right is you know once you start sending invoices for anything that's 20 30 40 50,000 a month it doesn't like as much as you want to say what the ROI is like our highest retainer and our agency is was like 45 grand a month it didn't matter what our <laughs> like our results right it was like it was the rule of large numbers which was yeah we're not we, like we don't want to pay that anymore and so mm-hmm. You can solve this. I should say you can go down a long rabbit hole to solve this through better analytics and, and, and justifying, but the rule of large numbers, and I don't want to pay large numbers, is an override against that. The other challenge I see with this approach, and I'm, I'm not you know, trying to poo-poo on your parade here, yeah. but uh, is really cash flow, right? Because you want that attribution to, to, to catch up, right? So you have the month of all the months of September that you got to operate on the account. You got to wait till, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but this is what I'm understanding. You got to wait till October 15th to send in that invoice. Mm -hmm. And then my guess, if you're serving e-com, they're not going to pay on October 15th. Maybe you, you maybe got some good clients. Maybe you're just hitting their, their card or their ACH, but maybe it's, you know, it's taking them 30 days to get that in. Maybe 15. I don't know. What would you say? Yes, this is a great, this is a really, really great topic. So we have on all launches, we're having to stagger them because cash flow for us is very, very important because of how big the team is and pay periods, right? Everybody has to deal with this stuff. The brands will pay anywhere between seven to even sometimes 30 days, depending on how large it is. And what I've seen, if you have a brand that's back to back, you're sending them back to back checks above $20,000, you're going to get questions, right? Like, their, their CFO, their whoever is checking, the founder that's looking at that check, they're going like, let's just, can we go analyze, like, is this money worth being spent? So you're going to get looked at. So what we've been having to do is if we start seeing, and we have a, a trigger on our on our doc, two, two months back to back above $20,000, that triggers us to reach out to the brand and be like, hey, we're going to make unique creators for you pro bono. Because that's that's tangible. That's something that we know mm-hmm. we can work. That's something that we know is valuable for us as well. And it's mutually right. beneficial because the brand's going to go, thank you. We already know we're investing in that. Let's let's get that. We already make ads as well. But that's just like right. the above and beyond for them to be, have a little bit of peace of mind of this check is going for not just the management and the, and the growth, which it's it's hard to... It yeah. is sad to say that we have to defend the bill that we have earned, but that's just the mm-hmm. nature in which we're in. I don't think it has to be. I'm, I'm just going to... Like, I... I think that the agencies that really understand the like in e-commerce it's difficult right because like e-commerce is struggling with cash flow just as much as the ad agencies themselves are struggling with cash flow right, right. and so these guys are just bag borrowing and stealing trying to get every single financial product that exists right they're tapping into shopify capital they're tapping ClearBank. they're trying to tap brex they're trying to tap like everybody under the sun and I think that bringing and incorporating some of these, you know, financial products into the entire ad spend, entire into the entire um, agency fee, 
is really how you can have a lot more control over it and uh, and also have a lot more control in terms of not putting yourself susceptible to like, is the client going to pay the bill on time or not? And what's their cash flow? And like, how are they going to receive this $50,000 yeah, yeah. invoice right now? <laughs> and we can own that, right? And um, and so I'll do like a live native advertisement for for ad capital right now because <laughs> you're queuing me up, Nick. Had to, but uh, yeah, dude. Like, it, you know, one of the things that um that the 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 opportunity we see in the world of advertising is that agencies take a percentage of spend, and for when you're funding ad spend exclusively, it's on a percentage of spend. Mm-hmm. And on a card, you know, it's all about the rewards and the percentage of spend, right? And so the, and then on top of that, you have this revenue share component that is the ultimate like dream for, you know, ad agencies, right? Where they get X percentage of, uh, of revenue and clients are always like kind of scared of like, well, okay, how, you know, let's like put a cap on that <laughs> to oh, like yeah. some, some level of extent, right? And so like, if you were to just like put all of that together, one of the things that uh, I see a potential for in the, in the space, um, and we're getting like early adopters that like get it, is where all this is bundled together in the sense that's like, hey, we're going to fund your ads, we're going to manage your ads, and we're going to take maybe not 10% of your spend, but we're going to do all of this for 15 to 20% of your spend. And then in terms of repayment, it's going to look basically on taking a percentage of revenue, Right we're going to automatically take 10% of your revenue until the principal, i.e. the entire ad spend plus the agency you know, fees, and then plus, or I should say all the uh, ad spend plus the agency fee and the, the financing fee get paid back, right? And that could take you know three to six months, but getting paid back daily over that three to six month period is like, just as good, if not more consistent than like having to wait 60, even 75 days, um, worst case scenario, 90 days to just get that one big check. Mm-hmm. That's really difficult to, to, to model. And I don't think like everybody's going to like jump on that train. They're going to kind of block and, and tackle like bits and pieces of it. But um, at that level, you're, you're proactively you know, taking, you know, remittance and pay, you know, and, and, and paying yourself daily, which helps the agency from a cash flow perspective, right? Like if you look at, um, strike point media, they can do this. I haven't seen anybody do this in e-com, but like they do this cause they serve like finance, right? What they do is they say, Hey, look, this is all the media and our management fee. And you got to pay us like upfront. And they send like that full invoice. And then you know, it's a matter of for the end client of like, okay, maybe we'll just fact, you know, factor out this invoice, or maybe we'll get somebody to fund the the entire invoice. But the agency's getting all that, you know, paid up front, so they don't have to like float their entire operations for like sixty days. Mm. And if you look at, if you listen to that episode, it's an amazing episode because he went that changing like that went from him being a million dollars in debt and like just having no operating capital in the business to having exponential growth, you know, debt free. Those guys are doing like over 20 million, you know, top line now. And, you know, he talks about just, you know, being on the front end of, of the flow of funds versus on the back end. Yeah. 
and hoping clients pay that. So I don't know. I think that the agencies listening to this are really going to appreciate it. And maybe there's going to be bits and pieces, you know, that they put together to solve this problem, but it is, uh, it's, it's a pain, you know, it's, it's a pain for sure. in, in how you think about like getting payment from your, from your clients. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think the easiest solve that we have currently is obviously diversifying services. So we have ever flowing yeah. cash from, from whether it's your email side, whether it's your social side, whether it's the content side. And we've starting yeah. to just on a very simple, simple model that I think people can be very aware of is people usually plan to launch at the beginning of the month, right? Well, if you can just stagger that and knowing if I'm going to finish off the 15th versus I'm going to finish on the first right. now when we're launching brands that's that that's that effective billable date um and some brands people i know people listening are gonna go well, why don't you just get them to prepay why don't you just get them to put that card in uh-huh. please have that conversation and let me know how that goes it's it, yeah, exactly no matter how much they love you and trust you and we've worked very very hard i know i personally worked very hard to keep a reputation uh, as a good businessman and someone that uh, is reputable in the space that that's not an easy combo right like you're asking them to give cash that they don't necessarily know is going to be there regardless of how well you did in the past month. It's sort of like the motto we live by back when I was playing sports is you're only as good as your last game. Like over here is you're only as good as your last campaign. And that's pretty much yesterday. Um, yeah. And I, I also think it's vertical specific, right? Cause like true. there's people in local, there's people that deal with like doctors and they're not as cash flow sensitive, obviously strike points in finance. So they're not cash flow sensitive, but like if you're an e-com, it's not happening. No, I mean, they're almost, you're almost, and we know this for two reasons, because a, we, we own two of our own brands. And so when we're looking at paying out vendors, we have our SEO team that we, that we full-time hire. We obviously pay ourselves for run the media. Um, we have our content team, like there are bills. And the last bill that we, our job is to, how do you manage that cash flow? I'm going to push off some of these checks that aren't knocking yeah. on our doors. It's, it's not a matter of why you're rude. You're not paying your bill in time. It's, it's just business is business. So you have to be very mindful where that cash goes. Mm. Oh, dude, you look, you listen to Josh Snow's episode, man. That guy <laughs> is like the king of like pushing off and deferring bills. I mean, it's just like, how else do you build an eight, nine figure business, you know, with no VC money is like, you have to be just maniacal about, you know, your, your cash flow and, um, you know, large companies, large companies do this, right? I don't know if you had experience with this, you know, in your early agency days, Nick, but like some of the big big brands like they're not paying their agencies for like net 90 mm-hmm. 120 days yeah. it's brutal well you brought up josh so josh and i and i i credit a lot of what i've been able to do and the reputation that we built by building up snow so when we worked with snow back in and this is me personally this is we we worked them at structure then we took them to common and then i know now they're, they're managing internal but josh i i credit josh to the house i currently live in today because that's what two years ago when everything was said and done like that success that we're able to build that product into was able to Mm -hmm. put this house down it was able for me to to afford to buy this house Mm -hmm. Uh, we did some (laughs) we did some wild wild things together and he although yes he's strategic in the cash that he deploys he definitely knows where all the money is being made and he treated us as a vendor me as a partner and me as a friend very very well so I can never speak uh, poorly on on where his cash is going because I know my personal experience was that invoice came and that that check came back real quick because he obviously knew it was it was driving a lot mm-hmm. of his growth. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. It's all about setting expectations, right, and Absolutely. and being clear on what those terms are. Um, 
And I don't think, you know, having somebody on net 60, net 90 or whatever it is makes you a bad person. I think it's when they expect to get paid up front and it turns out to be a net 120. Uh, well, Nick, this has been an amazing show, man. I'm, um, we really went deep into it, man. Like, uh, we really went like s- super, super nitty gritty here. I, uh, I hope everybody enjoys this episode. Tell everybody a little bit about what you're excited about right now, how we can support you. What you got coming up next? Yeah, thank you very much for that opportunity. So we obviously we're, we're we are sold out at Geek Out LA. We are back in meeting in person. We're taking all the precautions. Um, so whether you believe in what's happening with COVID, or you don't believe what's happening with COVID, out of respect for everyone's where they're coming from, we we are meeting in person. This is something that I was very very. Uh, this is why we did this, right? Like you guys are building the community and the podcast. There's people that your tribe. You're going to find that tribe, and they're going to want to come through and. You kind of mentioned it earlier. We have a very unique set of people, uh, and it's true. So James comes from, I wouldn't say the black hat world, but we have the relationships in the black hat industry by with the various affiliates that we work with. Um, mm-hmm. And we obviously are, are a staple in the e-commerce world. So we have Geek Out, which is next week. We sold out in eight days, which pumps me the hell up. It wasn't a large venue. Obviously, we're only doing about 30 to 35 people. Um, but we wow. our next one is going to be in Greece, currently planning it. And if everything works out as, as according and this, this LA one goes well, I'll try to do another one coming in November. So the biggest, biggest pump is get back in there and communicate to everybody. There's no better time than doing this now. Obviously, we all have Q4 to kind of prep for and uh, constant creative. We're continuing to, to build good creative for people. So if anybody has any help, you know where to find me. I am I am Shackleford on the Twits and I am <laughs> Nick Shackleford on Instagram. Dude, there you have it, man. There you have it. Nick, you killed it. Thank you so much for being so transparent, diving into it, giving away the goods. Appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for the opportunity. much for listening to another episode of the rich ad poor ad podcast if you're like me and listen to podcasts on the go go ahead and subscribe on apple podcasts spotify youtube and richadpoorad.com slash podcast and if you absolutely love the show go ahead and leave a review and a comment share with a friend if you do take a copy screenshot of it email me zach at funnel-com show me you left a review and i'll give you a free copy of the rich ad poor ad book to learn more about the book go to richadpoorad.com To leave a review, go to richadporad.com slash review. Thanks again.